0: It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. Hi, it is lunchtime in Athens from America's greatest college town. On a Monday afternoon, I am broadcasting live from the Buttsmare Building on the campus, of the University of Georgia. And you can hear Bulldogs Live tonight on the Super Stations. So be sure to tune in. And we got some great guests lined up, including the Road Dog Adam Gillespie, Alan Thomas, and Georgia women's golf coach Josh Brewer, and Georgia's J. Reed Parker, Director of Athletics, Josh Brooks. has some great stuff coming up. Hello in Macon, Montezuma, Warner Robbins, Perry, Fort Valley, down into Pinehurst, Rochelle, Waycross, Blackshear, Eastman. Cochran, Hawkinsville, Tifton, Ashburn, Cordell and Unadilla, and all our friends on the coast. In Savannah out to Tybee Light and Wilmington Island. Down into Brunswick, St. Simon, Sea Island, Jekyll Island, the beautiful Golden Isles to the 912, the 478, and the 229 from the 706, along with our superb producer, Chris Rogers. I'm Jeff Dantzler. Phone numbers if you'd like to join us, 478-646-3776. That's 478 478-646- 646 espn you can shoot me a tweet that is at jeffdansler tv be sure to let me know where you are tweeting in from we have had listeners of course from all across the great state of georgia down into florida north carolina south carolina Tennessee, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Virginia, Maryland, you name it. This show, the Bill Shank show, all of our interviews, simply go to the superstations.com. They are easy to download and as I always emphasize, if I can do it being definitively low tech, so can you. Uh, my uncle Joe was listening in down in Savannah. So Joe, good to hear from you. I actually had all my parents in town this weekend which was nice. Got my dad, my stepmom and my mom in Athens, our sister-in-law, Jenny Tolly, celebrating a little baby shower. She's due next month. I'm about to be an uncle. And I'm actually right now looking at a very famous man. The Road Dog Adam Gillespie, is here. He likes to shy away from the spotlight some. But we're uh, getting a lot of Georgia programs put together, so doing quadruple duty here today. Uh, but thanks so much for being with us. And since uh, I see the Road Dog over there, we'll talk a little overall Georgia sports real quick. Had a great day Yesterday of Bulldog Athletics, and that included a second straight bottom of the ninth win for the Bulldogs baseball table. It was a game winning homer on Saturday, and it was a game winning bases loaded hit by pitch yesterday. As Georgia beat a scrappy Northern Kentucky team for a third straight, West Johnson's team now seven and zero. Of course, you can listen to Georgia baseball with the great David Johnson. and Yours truly, a lot of the games right here on the super stations. Georgia women's hoops got a nice victory yesterday over the Florida Gators. Now won twelve out of fourteen against Florida, and the Georgia softball team ranked number three in the country. They are once beaten. And uh, unfortunately, the Georgia men's hoops team fell on Saturday to Auburn, as I've said. I mean, just big picture for Georgia men's basketball. We've got a good team in a great league. Uh, but Mike White putting together an outstanding recruiting class, going to have a lot of talent coming back. So I certainly feel good about the trajectory of Georgia basketball. But the SEC is loaded. Road dogs sitting over there. Adam, who's the best team you've seen so far? Is it Tennessee that Georgia's played? Tennessee or Bama? Okay. So the standings right now, Tennessee and Bama are both eleven and three. South Carolina and Auburn are both ten and four. And then you got Florida and Kentucky coming in at nine and five. Uh, so you've got those six teams at least four games over. Then Mississippi State is eight and six. And then you start to ask, well, how many teams is the league going to get in? That's seven with a winning record. You would think all seven of those are, are locks, and certainly the top six are. you got Ole Miss and Texas A&M and LSU are all six and eight. Right now, Georgia game behind that at five and nine, along with Arkansas. Vandy is two and 12. And Missouri is zero and 14. What in the world is going on with the Missouri Tigers? So a lot of sad faces at Shakespeare's Pizza. Uh, but the Road dog and the Georgia men's basketball team will be hitting the road, going to be jumping on a jet airplane uh, later this afternoon to fly out to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, the Road Dog will be making a, a lot of money at those places that are, you know, big glass palaces there this evening, no doubt about that. And certainly eating good at, at Lloyd's and the Capitol Grill and Mike Anderson's and all those places. Uh, but the, the league is is just so strong. And, again, with, with Tennessee and Bama, I think you got two teams right there that, that, that have a chance to be, you know, potentially one or two seeds. Uh, South Carolina and Auburn you, you would feel like would be top three seeds. Uh, I think Florida has been – a bit of a surprise this year. The Gators are 12-1 and one at home, and I'm just telling you, those rowdy reptiles, that is a very, very difficult place to play. Georgia nearly pulled off an upset there but came up just short. And then, of course, Kentucky's Kentucky. Uh, they're probably top to bottom, still the most talented team out there. Uh, but Tennessee and Alabama look like the two teams to beat out of the league at this point. And uh, it's, it's going to be a great stretch finish, and hopefully Georgia can... And I'll pull off a couple of upsets and uh, keep climbing up. But, again, uh, Mike White, uh, his staff, putting together an outstanding recruiting class. And uh, the future very, very bright for Georgia basketball. We'll talk some Georgia football coming up here uh, pretty shortly uh, with Leland Barrow from the Georgia Sports Information Office. So Leland will be making his debut here. Spring practice will crank up next month because we are getting towards the end of February. All right, let's talk some SEC baseball as well. And again, for the Georgia baseball team, I'll tell you what I'm going to do first. I'm going to pull up Charlie Condon's stats. How about that? View full screen. There we go. Just let you know what the All-American, what the best player in the country is doing. How about these numbers for you? Charlie Condon's batting 643. He is 18 of 28 with 13 runs scored. Four doubles, a triple, three home runs. And I swear the home run he hit on Saturday looked like it went through the parking lot and was going to land at the Stegman Coliseum right at midcourt. Uh, seven RBIs, six walks, one hit by pitch, three strikeouts. One of those Ks should have been ball four. But the, the free beat to K ratio, seven to three. And Charlie's on-base percentage, an amazing 694, and he's slugging 1179 and he's playing all over the place. He's playing third. He's playing left field. And and I, I don't know if he's going to wind up at first base. I'm sure he'll play there some. Uh, but this kid is something special. And, and for Georgia fans, I'm just telling you, we've had some great ones through the years. But uh, this guy's got a chance to go down with the likes of Derek Lilliquist, Gordon Beckham, Jeff Kepinger, Rich Poitras. is one of the very best to ever play at Georgia. So this Bulldog team hitting 355 as a team. Uh, Georgia had another run rule victory. On Friday, again, over a very scrappy Northern Kentucky team, and out of Georgia's first five wins, the most narrow margin of victory was an 11-2 win on opening day. So uh, a nine-run win, and then all the rest were by double digits. Well, lo and behold, Northern Kentucky, Scrappy, comes off the deck. Uh, Georgia needed to score four times in the bottom of the ninth inning. Got a three-run homer from Colby Branch to tie it. And then Dylan Carter won it with a solo homer, hit over the scoreboard to win it on Saturday. And then uh, Georgia fell behind 5-2 to two yesterday, came back and grabbed the lead, got up 9-5, to five, got up 11-8, give Northern Kentucky credit. They came back and tied the game 11-11. Georgia loads the bases, and, and the Bulldogs win it on a walk-off hit by pitch as a freshman Trey Phelps was at the plate and was hit by a pitch for the third time in the game and that brought in the winning run so good stuff for the Georgia baseball team and the dogs with a couple of midweek games this week and then tech coming up this weekend uh, the game on Friday will be played at Russ Chandler Stadium on Saturday at Foley Field and then on Sunday at Coolray uh, and, and I like playing tech early we used to play the, the big game in the spring classic for kids at Turner field. And we played it once up at the, the new stadium. Was it, it Truist park? Is that? Yeah. Up up at the T te- Bill Shanks is shuddering. You don't know the name. I am a Georgia baseball vortex right now, but yeah. And to me, the, the game has lost some of its luster moving from the major league park. And, I'm thinking, and I wonder if Georgia Tech might would agree, and who knows, maybe this wouldn't be popular. And honestly, the drive's easier for me and Dave going to to Gwinnett. But if we might just see, say, well, it's going to be a three-game series at Tech one year and a three-game series in Athens one year, I I, I wouldn't mind trying that because the three games and three spots is a bit of a grind. And, in fact, on Tuesday – after the Tech series, so this is not tomorrow, but the next week Georgia will play Georgia Southern in Augusta. So that's kind of a barnstorming part of the schedule. That's one of the things that the Bulldogs' new baseball coach, Wes Johnson, who I love that that he's going to work on as he continues on with his tenure just to try and tinker with the schedule some. But we've got a good ball club, and we're 7-0 and right now, and it's a lot of fun and got five games this week. And, again, if you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan, if you're a college sports fan, it is a great time of year, 14 Georgia athletic teams in competition as we speak. There were seven Georgia teams that played on Saturday. We'll talk some Georgia football when we come back. Leland Barrow from the Georgia Sports Information Office will join us as you listen to the Jeff Dansler Show. Lunchtime in Athens on the Superstations. Yes, indeed, I am addicted to love. Well, my good friend Leland Barrow joining us from the Georgia Sports Information Office. The road dog's over here making fun of me. So I texted Leland, let's talk some Georgia football. Leland's one of Kirby's right-hand men. And I said, yeah, let's talk some Georgia football. And I just looked back and I texted Leland, who's also in charge of track and field for Georgia. Let's talk some Georgia basketball. So Leland's been studied. So Leland, tell me what you know about Georgia basketball right now.
1: I've always been an avid fan of Georgia basketball, but in the last 15 minutes I've done a crash course on exactly where Georgia basketball is right now. So I'm fired up about
0: the future of Georgia basketball. I am too. I love what Mike White's doing, building a lot. Uh, We're going to talk a lot of football here, but Lila, real quick, the track and field team was just at the indoor championships in in Fayetteville. And uh, how about a little world record talk?
1: World record talk. it's, It's been an interesting development in the world record talk today. So there, there's certain sensors that are in the starting blocks okay. that you have to have turned on to, for the world athletics to ratify a world record. Those sensors were not turned on at the University of Arkansas. So now what we're dealing with is uh, Christopher Morales Williams will have a collegiate record and all the other records below collegiate record. However, he will have a world best rather than a world record. Wow. And this was for
0: the 400? Is, is that for right?
1: for the 400-meter dash. Right. So he's run the 400-meter dash faster indoors than anybody in history. We can say that. We cannot say it's a world record because it was. It will not be ratified by the world athletics.
0: Who do we blame for this in Fayetteville, Arkansas? Heads should roll for this.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not going down the, that
0: road, <laughs> but I am frustrated. Wow. Man. And that's when you can kind of get into some semantics, too. Well, it, it is a record but it's technically not who decides who, who's in charge of these world records
1: there, there's a world athletics um, group that they have, sound
0: kind of stuffy
1: have to go through a lot of different i mean a lot of hoops he, as soon as he got done with the race he goes immediately to a drug test they take his shoes and they send them off to make sure the shoes were there was nothing like no jet packs yes, in there yes yes which it, it look like he did have jetpacks where he took off <laughs> but the encouraging thing about chris is one he's a outstanding kid very smart thoughtful um guy and he will be even faster outdoors so we're i like that yes um we, we just he's only a sophomore so we, we want to keep him four years
0: so what was it was it 44
1: 44 49 i believe was this time. wow um almost a, a personal best by a full second which is pretty unprecedented at that level.
0: That's a hard race, too, the 400. I think the hardest – I will say this, and then we're going to talk football. I think the hardest event in all of sports is the 400 hurdles. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes, or or the 800. The 800 has gotten to the point where it's two – in the outdoor track, 400-meter track, it's two sprinted laps as fast as you can go. 400 hurdles, you also got to deal with your steps Mm -hmm. and getting over – an obstacle, which right. I, I would tend to agree with you. you. You and I, it would not be good video. It might be good video you know, if you and I got to see I would just try run. to run
0: straight. But I know for, for a lot of, for the sprinters that do the hunter hurdles, they, they, they can almost do it blindfolded, step, step, yes. jump, step, step, jump.
1: 400, If it, I've seen a lot of, you, you can see them start thinking about their steps. The ones that have it so naturally where they don't think about the steps, 400 hurdles, they glide over. They don't think about it. But when you start thinking and you start stutter stepping, those tenths of a seconds
0: quickly leave you. Well Leland, uh, sitting on top of the world, Georgia football, of course, back-to-back national championships, 13 and one, orange Bowl champions. last season, 42 and two the last three years we've won 46 of our last 48 games, just golden times and uh, you're a lifelong bulldog as well. And uh, one of the things I'm so proud of and there's so many accolades under Kirby's watch, and the road dog sitting over there, he refuses to acknowledge Tech. But against Florida, Auburn, Tech, and Tennessee since 2017, when that Kirby dynasty started, 26 and two against the schools. I think the, your annual biggest rivals. That's just amazing.
1: I think that this is exactly what those numbers right there is exactly what I what I felt when we saw the confetti come down over the last couple of years at different uh, championship games, and you realize, man, I'm not going to be able to soak this in until I'm removed from it a little bit. Now we're removed from it a little bit, and when you say those numbers, it truly is incredible how dominant they've been against teams that we really had some serious struggles with sure. in the last... Two decades of the time that I've really worked with them.
0: Well, I, I think one of the things, too, with Georgia, and Coach Dooley would often talk about this, it's important to understand. You know, it kind of goes back, you can go back to, to the Civil War when Georgia was called the breadbasket of the South, just where we're located. No school has three natural rivals like Georgia with Florida, Auburn, and Tech. And, and back, you know, but before the schedule expelled, let's just say in the second half of the 20th century. To end the season every year with those three games, and plus their South Carolina and all the other SEC games, it was just darn hard to win them all. I mean, it's very difficult. So for us, you know, when I was coming up, we played six SEC games: Clemson, South Carolina, and Tech every year. Uh, it, it's hard to run the table. It's hard to have a great year doing that. So to be surrounded by by all these programs that are Natural rivals, and then of course, you throw in what Alabama's done, what LSU has done, the, the, the resurgence of Clemson with Dabo Sweeney to have the success that we're having with all of that around it. I, I think makes it even more impressive. I mean, it's, it's not like it's Ohio State doing it when they pretty much just got Michigan, or, or if it's Southern Cal doing it when they had their dynasty with Pete Carroll, where they were so far away above everybody not just in the Pac-10 but out west but what we're doing with all these programs around us.
1: Absolutely and this you mentioned the ones like South Carolina's that was one not in your original list of border wars. Man they think it's the biggest border war yeah, it's, in history. It's their
0: we we're their second biggest rival.
1: So for two years in a row now and this will continue we've gotten everybody's best effort because yes. we want to knock off the national champion.
0: So I, I remember I stuck my head in your office and you're Trying to think how, does, when we look at games, I grew up with Coach Dooley and Larry Buntz, you could say I'm a natural born pessimist. You, you could, Adam, <laughs> would you agree with that? He's shaking his head over there. You have a a very calm and rational approach when it comes to it. My wife would tell you sometimes uh, with the dogs I could be a little bit irrational, but I can remember ducking in, and and it was when we had that stretch at 22 after we had beaten Tennessee. And he, which was the week after Florida, and we had to go to state, had to go to Kentucky that had Tech coming in here. And I just remember sticking my head in, and you know, I'm always nervous at Tech Week. You know, i got to put up a Christmas tree. got to beat Tech to put up a Christmas tree. And you said, we're going to win, but, but they're tired, and they're figuring out just what it's like to get everybody's best shot, which makes you respect. I mean, we always did what Bama would go through uh, week in and week out. But I, I, I will never forget you telling me that. And then when we beat Tech, I think at that point we, we knew we were in no matter what. happened. There wasn't as much pressure. Isn't that crazy that LSU gave? There wasn't a lot of pressure in that one. But I, I thought that was a great point and just the grind of getting everybody's A game week after week.
1: I will say, one thing which you just said about the Bama, too. Yes, they've had to go through it. Have the Bama fans reacted like ours have? No, they have not. No. Ours are in the stands every game, and it's packed. There's, they're – some of their games, they're uh, trickling people out or not showing up at all. so I will say that for one for one thing. And two, I have confidence in these teams. like when you came to me that day, I had confidence in. I have confidence now because of what I see on the practice field every day from our leader, mm-hmm. from, from Kirby Smart. He the preparation that he does on the practice field, like, like the guys say all the time, what they do in practice is far tougher. And what they do on game days.
0: Well, I think that also goes down to the job that they've done with the recruiting and the d- development. And, and You could see from day one, Kirby was the master of roster management. And Of course, he learned under the tutelage of Nick Shaman. But just the, the competition in practice, and depth serves you well in, in so many areas. Obviously, if you get injuries, just having fresh legs. But also, it's that week-to-week in practice. And he might be an All-American, but I'm just going to slack off this week. That doesn't happen here because if you do, there's some blue chipper right behind you waiting in the wings.
1: I guarantee you. I think it's Zemir White. You know, people said, man, he tore an ACL, then tore another ACL. Everybody who's seen practice knew how hard he was coming at you. So you had a guy like him who was behind a couple other running backs, but he was trying to prove how good he still was with that. There's there's nobody wanted his hit Zemir White. No. But yet he was coming as the third tier back at certain times second-tier back. Um, and I think any NFL guy that you polled right now that went to Georgia would say, that's what got me here is going against those defenses or going against those offenses every single day with I, no turn.
0: I think especially for the linemen. And when he, I, I know when Broderick Jones came out, who was at the Steelers first-round pick, last draft so he was on two national championship teams but practicing against Jalen Carter Trayvon Walker Jordan Davis Devontae Wyatt every day just how much better it made him
1: you don't want to be embarrassed out there right these are your teammates but these are also the guys you see in the dorm and out to dinner and everything else later on so if you get burned day after day that's not the guy you want to be
0: you know, another interesting thing that, that we're seeing with Georgia right now, and I remember Bama going through it year after year, and, and this is where it's, it's not an arrogance, but it's a confidence in Kirby and what this program is. But I guess cost of success, the turnover in the coaching staff. But with, with, with Kirby – I, he knows because again he went through it with Saban at Alabama, and he's gone through it at Georgia with a great success. Here, I'm sure he's got listed his heads at his head at all times because it's it's inevitable that other schools, NFL teams as well. You look at Todd Munkin are going to come and try and poach some of your assistants when you've had the success that Georgia's had.
1: Somebody asked me the other day, "Man, I bet Kirby's you know he's having to go through his Rolodex and figure out all all the guys. nah. He's had his list of top five at each position coach, whether he knows, whether he thinks a guy's going to be there for 10 more years, and he's constantly altering that list.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've had coaches tell me before, and this makes a lot of sense, that when it comes to putting together a coaching staff, that a lot of times that best that your best staff might be your first staff because well let's say if you're somebody like Kirby and you know it's inevitable you're going to get that head coaching job you've had in your mind I'm going to hire this guy to do the running backs this guy to do the quarterbacks but then when some of those assistants start to leave maybe you're not as locked in on who that next assistant will be well that hadn't been the case with our guy I mean the staff we you know Todd Munkin moves on Mike Bobo comes back offense doesn't miss a beat
1: it hadn't hadn't at all and like you said. This is not a stair-step job in anybody's eyes. This is a job where people want to come, so there's always a good batch. That's what he's got going for him. That's the easy part that he's got going for him. The tough part is figuring out, just like in recruiting, who is the true winner that we want to pick to lead these running backs or to lead the wide receivers, just like who's the true running back that's the stud out of all these five Mm -hmm. stars that we can recruit here.
0: How about the running back? crops that we've had here. Congratulations to Dale McGee. I don't know how much time you got to to spend with him.
1: Absolutely a lot and he he was a quiet but a guy uh, I loved. One of my favorite that's been on Kirby Staff.
0: So he he's the new head coach at Georgia State, but we've coached some great backs here. And again, going back to that depth, you think about the first national championship in 21 when Zamir White and James Cook, great one two punch. I mean, Kenny McIntosh was our number three back. Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton were, were four and five. And then you think about McIntosh. I, I felt like, me being a tailback guy, I thought McIntosh in 22 had one of the best all around seasons of a Georgia back. And. But just talking about the depth of that, he was third string. Yeah, that just speaks volumes. I
1: think it speaks volumes. And the greatest thing about it, he was never – he was frustrated, I'm sure, internally. But he he understood the process. He understood that, wow, I'm not taking the pounding. I'm, the lack of pounding that I'm getting, NFL teams are loving that. I'm learning by behind some of the greatest, and my turn's coming. I'm not going to jump ship and leave. I'm, You know, I'm under Dale McGee, a great coach, and I'm in a great system. The next tier will come. And you mentioned Dejon Edwards. One quick thing. Man, if there's anybody that learned how to be quiet behind, uh, from Dale mm-hmm. McGee, it was Dejon Edwards. What, the whole time I think he was here, I think we exchanged two conversations. And one of them was he came up to me and he looked at me and he goes, hey, Norman Park. I said, what will we got with Norman Park? He goes, that's my, actually my hometown. Not Moultrie. Do, do you mind changing do you mind changing my bio? And I said, bro, I'll do anything for you. Absolutely. So now for the rest of his life, I always called him Norman Park.
0: And, and Dejan Edwards, one of my favorites. Like, I mean, just a hard runner. He could almost get down there and burrow. And, and uh, you know, he's one of those guys, too. Somebody's going to grab him in like the sixth or seventh round, and that guy's going to be in the NFL for a long time.
1: Absolutely. He, he'd Like anything else, if he gets in the, the right team gets him, that's always key. Mm-hmm. And secondly, if he stays free of injury, which – knock on wood against yeah, us mostly yeah, yeah. he has
0: well uh, it, it, hey how about let's bring up miko harman real quick who was a favorite here how about him catching the winning touchdown the to super love miko
1: love it i mean that's bowman bowman's <laughs> finest right there in the in the chain that he that he wore in all of his uh media circus afterwards that is miko harman he loves jewelry and uh he loves the bulldogs he's always been close to athens and uh He was an awesome All-American for track team that some people forget as well. So Yeah, so
0: those are the two sports you work most closely with. As we talked with Leland Barrett from the Georgia Sports Information Office, does a great job for the Bulldogs football and track and field. How good was he at track? I mean, obviously he's very fast. And what was was his specialty?
1: He, He was, as you can imagine, short sprints was his specialty. And he could get down there maybe once a week, and that's about all he needed down on the track. It was more just to get comfortable with the baton, handoff, okay. baton uh, acceptance, and uh, they already knew he naturally had the, the speed to, to contribute to a, to an All-American relay, which it wasn't just a relay that was t- number seven in our record books. It was literally an All-American relay.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to throw one at you. you. You ready since you did all that hoops research for me? I want you, and, and because you're the track and the football expert there. If you had Man. to pick a relay team – now, we're not going to say a baton here. This is just like tag right there. In your time at Georgia, let's just say the Kirby era here. I want you to give me the four fastest guys off the football team that we've had. If you were going to put together if, – if the U.S. track and field said, Leland, I want you to form our national relay team with four Georgia football players, obviously how they were in their prime. Not right now. Who are your four? Mm. So, uh, would Mecole be on there?
1: Absolutely. Miko is just different.
0: That's yeah, why yeah, different that's level why, of speed.
1: Different level of speed. You, you, if you survive in the NFL at his size for the that's years great that, that he has, he's different. Aaron Smith, who's a current receiver. I cheated, he's a jet. I cheated a little bit on him, too. He's also run track for us. And he's proven that he's just a normal guy like all these other sprinters. When I say normal, that means world-class speed like all our other sprinters. So that's two of your four.
0: What about James Cook? Cook
1: can handle it. Cook could definitely handle it. Um, And a lot of those guys I never got to see on the true track, so it's hard for me to – Sure, But when we're talking crossover, the biggest uh, freak that I've seen crossover doing the football on track since I've been here was the great Geno Atkins. Oh, because he did the shot put. He did the shot put, and he would practice maybe once every two weeks. (laughs) And Coach Babbitt, Don Babbitt, our throws coach, has told me that – had he been a five-day practice guy that could practice five days a week, he would have been vying for the Olympics with his strength and his quickness, which NFL veteran, great guy. So I believe it. All
0: right, we got, we got to come up with a fourth. And I'm trying to think, is there anybody like, – obviously, all these guys for Georgia can run now. If you're slow, you're not going to be out there. But like Terry Goddard, I think Malachi Starks could be a candidate One as well. I'll
1: throw in, too, because not only because he's a fellow – Noonan, Georgia, um, <laughs> a proud Cougar. But D'Amico Goodman, it, if in his day, I think if he would have stayed with track, okay. he would have been one of the greatest uh, Georgia dogs of all time. Um, Nick Chubb's not a bad one, as, as my man Adam Gillespie just brought up.
0: That picture of him from that high school meet where he's jumping, <laughs> and he's like yes. over every – is super bad.
1: I think Nick Chubb, if you put him on a soccer field, I think he would have been All-American. So he's – he doesn't
0: count. You know, it's funny uh, when Zamir got hurt uh, for, for the second time, and our friend, Dr. Fred Reefstack, who one of the team doctors, great guy, great physician. And uh, we, we were talking about the Chubb injury, and he said, There's only one guy that could have come back for that, Nick Chubb. He, then when Zamir, he said, Well, there are two guys, Nick Chubb and Zamir White. Uh, when when can, you look I that kind of that. heart.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, and and the, the fun thing to watch Nick, yeah. I think, is. It's as fun to watch him during the off season as it is during the season because he's putting like twelve plates on each side of the bars <laughs> and he's going home. He's going home right outside Chubtown. Chubtown USA and he's working out with his high school old high school coach just in a dingy dark Room. See, he's it's like fun. in Rocky
0: Four. He's like Rocky, not Drago. He is absolutely. He's not going Drago. through the snow. Yeah, he's carrying the. <laughs> he's got the horse on the yes, back. He's pulling yeah. the
1: horses out of the snow, and he's waiting on Adrian to come and give him that final lift.
0: All right, Lila, let's talk a little schedule. coming up. I think one of the things, and Alan Thomas and I talked about this. With the the first plan for the expansion was sixteen teams, and everything changes so fast. Who knows what this thing's going to look like in three, four, five years. But Alan made a good point when he said he thought the league did it. And we got the best commissioner in sports, Greg Sankey. When he said he felt like the league did a good job of not getting too far out in front, not saying, oh, this is going to be a 10-year plan here. Do you foresee going to a A a and nine-game schedule? Because I think we're going to see that where you have three commons, you play six one year, then the other six, and then rotate around. How, how do you think it's going to go, and how would you like to see it go? Because it does seem like, and Josh and I have talked about this too, that, that from a, a lot of Fans, they want to see a greater frequency of playing opponents. So how do you think it's going to go, and how would you like to see it done?
1: I like the, the, what you just said about the frequency of opponent. Like if, if you have three commons that people can always latch on to, always love him. Like
0: Like for us, it would be Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina, yes. what, whatever.
1: Yeah, And those are the three, because I think if you cut it any lower than that, it's current state. It's it's not enough of people to say we get to we know we get to see them next year and the next year and the next year and that series continues. Now, what I foresee in the future? Who knows? Just just like nil, just like uh, transfer portal, these are complete unknowns. That if I guessed it right now, I would be like the guys who who are the quote draft analysts who are making picks on who's going to get drafted. They have absolutely no idea. And no. it's proven year after year after year. So we just don't know. Yeah, it's
0: it's just an educated educated yes, guess is the best you can correct. do. So I, I've come up sometimes with a system. Educated. Sometimes Sometimes you just throw a dart up against a wall and, and, and hope it sticks. So I've got a 5-2-2 two, and two system that would have the SEC essentially into eight two-team pods. So, like, Florida would be our partner. So there would be five teams you'd play every year. Like for us, say, it would be Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee – Auburn, and Vanderbilt, and then you would play two and two, and then the next year two and two. So basically over a five-year period, you'd play everybody twice. Because, like, for me, I get I have no desire to play Arkansas every other year. But I would like to play Auburn, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida yep. every year.
1: I can see that. And I think the, the, the guys on the team, as well as um, the diehard fans who make most of the trips, Hey, they want to go to College Station and try it out. You know, we've never been there for football. And we we were
0: supposed to go there finally this coming year. So they've been in the league since 2012. So last season would have been their 12th year. How has Georgia never been there? I've been there three times for baseball. How has that
1: happened? I've been there 12 times for track. (laughs) Uh, They have one of the few indoor tracks. So I I don't know how that happens. But I know that it's going to fire up fans to get their first try at Austin this fall and, and and you know to try Good um, luck with that. Yeah. That Grand Prix being there. No doubt. They're gonna have to bring a tent by the by Are oh, we gonna have river. to stay in
0: San Antonio or something? I don't
1: know. Maybe on the yeah, maybe Riverside. So is
0: Neilan Raper doing the, the travel on that? Who's in charge of that? Probably he Mike, and Vince Thomas?
1: Probably. That's why they're both losing hair by the day.
0: That is a that is a hard job. So just to kind of let you behind the curtain of college athletics and the road dog could talk about this as well. I think the, the hardest job is being the travel coordinator. I compare that to being a deep snapper. Your name only gets called when it sails over the punter's Absolutely. head. But having to put together the travel, and I, and we both travel so much, and I know just you're sitting there when you do when that plane's landing, oh, gosh, I hope the bus is there. And then, oh, gosh, I hope the hotel's got all the keys ready. If you don't bat 1,000, and let's just say all these coaches, no matter where you are, they're pretty detail-oriented and want everything to be perfect all the time. That's a high-stress job. I would be awful at that job and probably fired within two days, and especially for football.
1: Neilan Raper, yeah, he he deserves several gold medals around around his his name uh, <laughs> because not many people know who we're talking about right now, and that's why, because he makes sure things are seamless. Now, I don't want to jinx him for the next three trips, <laughs> uh, but he has an awesome support staff around him uh, as well, and we all – even though I'm not in operations and he's not in sports communications, we all help out each other, And which is – I think that's kind of part of what makes this uh, whole machine go down the tracks is that we all kind of have each other's back on a lot of that stuff. All
0: right, so let's talk about this schedule coming up, uh, th- th- this coming season. It, it, it is kind of a, a throwback to the age. We're, we're bookending with Clemson and Tech. We got a, a softer one after Clemson and before Tech, eight SEC in between, you know, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, oh yeah, got to go to Texas, go to Ole Miss, go to Alabama. What a schedule.
1: What a schedule. You know, like, like you said, you, you talked about the first two at the front end, two at the back end, but man, those eight in the middle. Every year it's like, oh, I don't, there's no way we can get through this. Well, you know, we did it okay in 22. We didn't have a trip to Austin. We didn't have a trip to Bama on there, uh, but hey, it's just another challenge, and we we uh, we work alongside and and under the the mastermind of getting his players' heads right, and this guy named Kirby Smart. So he he will be building up each game as if it is, is the Super Bowl, which it kind of is. We kind of need to win each one to sit, get to get ourselves in where we need to be.
0: Now, what's happening with the playoff and with when they put in that the four highest ranked conference champions would get the bye? That was before the demise of the Pac-12. That was before right. Texas and Oklahoma lost. So there's a part of me, if you told me, uh, we're going to go 10-2, and two, beat Tech, uh, be the sixth seed and host a game at Sanford Stadium and not have to go to Atlanta. I, I mean, and it used to be you lived and died for the SEC championship, but now it's about getting in the playoff. Because if, loo- if they're going to keep this policy where the top four conference champions go, if you lose the conference championship game, you would have to play 17 times to be in the national championship game.
1: Correct. I mean, the, the, that doesn't
0: seem right to me. No, it, that, that you get punished for being in it. And, and here's and let's just say let's take George out of it. Let's say Texas and Alabama both go twelve and zero, so they'll be ranked one and two. You mean to tell me the loser of that, you know, is going to have to play the extra game? That just that doesn't seem right to no. me.
1: No, and I have a feeling we'll see how it all develops. That it won't be set like that when it's all said and done, when the, when the uh, cement dries.
0: Well, I mean, just how quick are they going to go to 16? I mean, they tripled the size from 4 to 12. Right. So th- then they're just going to go to 16.
1: Y- yeah, and what's next after that? Does, does it cap at that? What, do, we, a... do we keep going to a uh, – See, and, I, and I hate it because
0: I'm the guy who loves college football, and I think what's always made it so special is that the regular season means everything. Yes. And now – I mean, could you be at a spot like for, for – let's say if Alabama and Auburn are both 11 and – yeah, game doesn't really matter. We'll set our starting quarterback. You laugh. You say, no way that would happen. I don't know. I mean, they're probably – I'm sure there have been Packers-Bears game that was the last game of the regular season that didn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's th- – there's just more, I think, as we've talked – the last five years, there's been more change in college athletics than there might have been in the history of college athletics combined prior to.
1: My, my dad told me the other day, he said, wow, you picked a heck of a time to get into college athletics. Fun time, but a heck of a time. I said, I didn't pick it. You're the one that picked it. <laughs> just, um, just so you could get free tickets. Yeah, Come just on, so dad. you get free tickets. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> like you said about the, going into the 12 playoff right now, one great thing, maybe the greatest thing I think is, there, the, out of those, nobody outside those 12 will think, oh, this should have been. We got cheated.
0: Oh, sure they will. The team that finishes 12th because a group of five is going to get that spot.
1: They will, but should they have? I don't think so. I think the greatest will be in those 12.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, my thing, too, though, is like, how many times have we sat there and gone like, "Mm, boy, the the, the team ranked number 11 in the country, boy, they deserved a shot at the national title. I I don't know. I just – you know me, I'm a dinosaur, yeah, but what good does that do? You got to keep me and but that speaking of that is another tremendous thing about Kirby, and I just remember him on the podium on one eight one eight, and it just we're all just crestfallen when he got up and said, "We're not going anywhere." How much that meant that the resolve that that showed the guy is always looking forward. I don't know how he does it it's incredible whether it's coming off a great win an excruciating loss. we are moving forward at all times
1: and I, and I learned that I already kind of knew it, but I learned that in the uh locker room post game Rose Bowl when I was man, this is one of the coolest days let's soak it all in let's 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 celebrate in this locker room. He was already saying, pack the bus, we're leaving this is not where this is not where we're ending right here' it's, we're going to the next chapter it was you know the Next chapter was what it was, but I realized right then he is – you're exactly right. He's always preparing in his head for what the next step is. Uh,
0: take the two national championship game victories out of it. So many great ones to choose from, Sugar Bowls, Orange Bowls, Rose Bowls, you know, to be beating Michigan in the Orange Bowl, just beating Florida State in the Orange Bowl, Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. What's been your favorite non-national championship victory in the postseason for Kirby.
1: I think it might be Rose Bowl, and I'm probably a little tainted by just the setting and the scene mm-hmm. for that one, for that game. I think that was just unbelievable.
0: Well, and plus it's a game just growing up because it used to be the Big Ten and Pac-10, like it was impossible for an SEC team to even play in it. So to get that opportunity, and 75 years after the 1942 team went out there.
1: That, and uh, I'm thinking about another one going back to the having the common foe. Um, Beaten, losing to Auburn and then coming back and beating them in the 17 um, SEC championship game. Not only did it clinch what was to come next, but it also was redemption against the team who had not just beaten us, dominated, but smoked us. You know, during the regular season. Uh,
0: yeah, that's another thing about Kirby. Two of his biggest wins, vengeance victories: Auburn in 17 and Bama in 21.
1: Absolutely, both of those got. I mean, I, there's so many different memories from all those. Both of the games, the losses and the wins.
0: So you know, it's a. You mentioned that Auburn game from 2017. I always think back. I was talking with my good friend, the great Larry Edwards, who I'm sure is listening in down in Millageville now. That when we beat Auburn, I remember him saying, "This is one of the most fun seasons of all. anything from here on out." It's gravy. And at that point, you really felt that way. But then you beat Oklahoma, and you just you just want to get more and, and and it's it's just amazing what we've been able to do. And I, and I think for our fan base, and we've clearly let's just say going back to 1980 clearly been one of the five to ten best programs most consistent in college football and especially the 21st century It, it was almost a mathematic impossibility that we hadn't won a national championship because we had been so close we finished number two a couple times finished number three but i don't think there was ever a more thankful fan base there's no way a national title ever meant more to any fan base than the one in 21 did for us and to, to win it back to back to go back to back and then to follow that up with a 13 and one i think our fan base is truly appreciative and, and grateful for what we've done
1: absolutely i think they are and then i think a lot of a lot big part of my job over the last couple of years is working with the individual uh, players as we as we get more on the award circuit and we get more national notoriety from that individual and Man, some of the individual guys that we've had come along during that Can I stretch. give you
0: three off of last year? Brock Bowers, Ladd, McConkey, Cedric, Van Pran. All timers.
1: Just dropped a mic on that one. Those, those three, when Lad came in, I remember thinking, interesting. I'd love for him to get a couple catches while he's here. Well, he's such did. a good dude. And he did. He got a couple. <laughs> Brock, we kind of all knew it from the get-go, from the first two practices. I mean, coaches said it. I watched him enough to realize, yep, he's different. And then Cedric Van Praan was usually in my being partial to Louisiana with all my, all my family from there. When we got a guy from New Orleans and I had the look of that and I was thinking, yep, we got to go. He's a dude. And, and and he was, I don't know, however many, 42, 43, 44 starts later. He was the man.
0: And every one of my friends that lives and dies with the Atlanta Falcons, just like the road dog Adam Gillespie over there, he's shaking his head. They are desperate for the Falcons to draft Cedric Van Prandt. Adam's saying, no, don't do it, SVP. That's the type of guy that can – I know it's overused – that can change a culture for you. Yes, us. He,
1: he is. He was a – not that not that a lot of them aren't this way, but he was always a yes sir, no sir it, guy to me. Positive. And I'm, like, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm not that much older than you. Then, <laughs> then I realized, yes, I, yes, am, I am much older. Yes, I am. Uh, but positive. He had to he, – he was – you know, thoughtful in that he had different skills outside of the football field that he was interested in pursuing. He
0: told me he wanted to be an academic All-American. That was his big thing. Absolutely. Bingo.
1: Absolutely. I mean, got got a lot of of his, I really wish he would have won the Remington. I think he was um, the deserving center, but that just gives him more drive to see what he can prove on this next level.
0: Leland, I appreciate you stopping by and, uh, you know, saying hello to everybody from down in Osceola and Brunswick and and make it and Unadilla, those are our people.
1: Absolutely. Through and tried and true. I mean, those, those are some of the – I've never even heard of a lot of those places until I went to school here, and now they're some of my best friends.
0: Die hard dogs. Leland, you're a great one. I appreciate you, my friend.
1: One more shot before we go. While we're talking hoops, I was completely okay. prepared. If we keep the Tigers in Baton Rouge to under 70, we're 25-1 when we've kept opponents under 70. This is beautiful. We kept LSU to 66, baby. Last time we won. Let's do it again. (laughs) Ah,
0: The man doing research. He's the best. Thank you, Leland Barrow. We need to run it to a timeout. Chris Rogers has yelled at me. Uh, These are the Bill Shanks Airwaves. My name is Jeff Dancer. It's lunchtime at Athens here on the Superstations. Joe Walsh bringing us back. Life's been good indeed. we just got to get nine straight against ten. We gonna do that, Road Dog. All right. If there's one coach that would appreciate that record, it is Cks. Sheer gold there from Leland Barrow. There's some broadcasters that want to get that notepad right there. Thank you, Leland. Thank you, Chris Rogers. Thank you to the Road Dog, Adam Gillespie. All right, here's our. Don't unplug me there. Here's our schedule. He's trying to unplug me. Here's our schedule uh, for the rest of the week here on the super stations. Tomorrow night, George at LSU. Hold him under seventy. Right, twenty five and one. There you go. Dogs and Bayou Bengals down in Baton Rouge. And then you've got the Hawks and the Magic. On Wednesday, Georgia baseball. Heck, yeah, get me and Dave Johnson some love as the Dogs take on the Michigan State Spartans. On Thursday, you got the Hawks and the Nets and the Lady Dogs. we got a late tip-off. Road Dogs will come hang out with me. Thursday night, the Lady Dogs take on the LSU Fighting Tigers. Kim Mulkey's outfit yesterday. Uh, she looked like a peacock. It, it had, She had all kinds of stuff going on there, so we can't wait to see what she's going to be wearing on Thursday night. And on Friday, huge baseball weekend starting off with the dogs and jackets in the first of three. Uh, the game on Friday will be at the Rusty Sea at Russ Chandler Stadium. On Saturday, Tech will come to Athens uh, to play at Foley Field, and then on Sunday will be at Cool Ray Field, home of the Gwinnett Stripers, one P. And uh, Brave Spring training coming up for you this weekend as the Braves will be at the Blue Jays hoping for some vengeance from the 1992 World Series with a 107 first pitch. We'll also have the Hawks and Nets coming up on Saturday. So that's the way everything's looking for us on the Super stations coming up the rest of the week. Uh, just to let you behind the curtain for yours truly, got Bulldogs live tonight. Thank you to the Road Dog. He is absolutely the best. And Georgia baseball, Tuesday, Presbyterian. Wednesday, Michigan State. I got tech this weekend. Then a DJ election like will be solo on Sunday, oh gosh, i got to rent a car, uh, to drive up to Nashville for the Lady Dogs on Sunday and then fly back with the team. That is if I can remember to rent a car. Road Dog, write that down for me, please. So we are uh, back again with you rest of the week. I'll be doing the show from Foley Field tomorrow afternoon. Or of course, tune in to Bill later today who apparently has gone viral and, as always, I heard nothing but great things about Bill at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. And way to go, Claude Phelps. You're the greatest. Thanks so much. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Jeff Densler show on the Superstations.